0: but then you put in deployments overseas and their duty stations that are high risk are they're deployed to the front. Then they come back to try to process this. It's very difficult. They do withdraw, they do feel out of place.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show.
2: It's my understanding that you have three main projects at this time. Nora, which we heard about yesterday, is one of them. What are the other two?
0: Well, I'd say the Lion and the Lamb is our other initiative that we're seeing tremendous not only growth, but effectiveness. Because our organization, we want to make impact, but we're very much about outcomes. What is the impact going to do long-term, right? Mm. And these lion and lambs, uh, we're now partnering with missionaries around the world who are saying... You're pointing
2: at something, people can't see it. Tell us what you're holding now. So
0: this is a little lion that uh, my wife actually, after our first time from Iraq, seeing tens of thousands of kids in camps, we were like, Lord, what can we do to help they these They had children. no toys, do they? No, no. And certainly nothing that would help them from being traumatized. So we developed a, a, a fun little lion and a little lamb, it's very soft, soothing. Uh, so it's comforting. Kids love hugging them. The second thing is is music that lowers anxiety that actually can bring a kid out of a panic attack, lowers anxiety. Where's the music? It's actually in the paw. When when you depress a paw, there's a battery that has music with prayers in their own language. We have multiple prayers that are all scriptural-based. So a kid now is hugging a toy, sleeping with it, walking with it, playing with it, and they're hearing music that lowers their anxiety, and then scripture, scriptural prayers. It is... The way that we've been able to have the truth of God's Word into thousands of tents, hearts, and lives in the darkest places from the Middle East into ISIS camps uh, for ISIS children. The next place we're going to is Juarez, Mexico, which everyone knows it's a high-threat area, uh, a lot of killing and death, but we're bringing... Uh, hundreds, if not over a thousand, of these iron lambs. and many of you given away? Uh, we're
2: over forty-one thousand right now. They so a child who has nothing. Yes, absolutely. You referred to yesterday. If the only thing they have to play with is dirt. A a lot of times. And you come and you give them something to hold and
0: hug and learn from. Right. And they'll line up. I mean, they'll line up till we don't have any more. And that's the hardest problem. Not the security issues, not the threat. We deal with all that. It's we don't have enough to hand out. And uh, we're going to the border, uh, and we'll cross over into Juarez, and we'll be going into refugee camps uh, on the border. See, we're not just complaining about the situation one way or another. We're trying to make an impact with outcomes that will actually help kids,
2: regardless of what happens. Mexico has become a horribly violent place, hasn't it? It has. I think it was that Mormon family that was mm-hmm. brutally murdered. It
0: was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. you know anything about that? I, I do, and you know what? Mexico's been a hot spot for violence, and unbeknownst to a lot of people— at some places in the border crossing, there's fifteen to twenty five percent of those that cross are Arabic, from other places in the world, not just South
2: America. This we know for sure. I've um, been down there and I can attest to that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there were 125 different nationalities in one of the border crossings. When I was down there, or it had been. That's 125 nations mm-hmm. speaking 125 different languages. Right. Can you imagine what the border patrol is dealing with? It's been what they call the worst problem or crisis they've ever
0: dealt with. And we've talked to people in Iraq and Syria about the border wall, you know, that we need. Yeah. And this is what they say build the wall. You absolutely need to secure your borders, or else you'll end up like Who us. Who says that? Regular people in Iraq and Syria build they, a wall. I've got it on video where they're saying, and I've talked from generals to to regular people just living in little huts to IDP, you know, refugees saying, "Build a wall," because if you don't protect your country, look what will happen. Look what happened to us in Iraq. ISIS flooded in. We couldn't stop them. So, uh, you know, I tell the American people, this is something that's really not negotiable. We have to be able to control our borders, or you want to see the apocalypse. We've been where it has happened. We've lived where it's happened, and we don't want it to happen here in the U.S.
2: And yet the radical left opposes every effort to control that border. And they do. And they say there is no crisis. I've been there, man. There is crisis. You've seen it firsthand. And a lot of these people that take that
0: stand, they're not doing it out of compassion or care, or else they would be taking in people into their homes, or they would be down there trying to help. But they don't. They just squawk it's and complain. Political. It's political. It is a politically motivated deal, not a compassion or what human needs really need to happen.
2: What organizations
0: are you working with? Doc, that's a great question. I think of our friends over at World Challenge, Gary and Kelly Wilkerson, have been a huge help to us in overseas work. Um, Guardian Group here in the U.S. for counter-trafficking, uh, working together on that. Mighty Oaks with Chad Robichaux really one of the best approaches to uh, a camp environment where veterans and active duty can actually go who are really struggling with PTSD. Shadow Warriors, that's Omar Geist uh, from 13 Hours. He's one of the Benghazi soldiers, uh, known as you know Security Force from the CIA. And um, he does a great job working with contractors who, if they get injured or post-work, you know there's really no help or insurance for them. Uh, we love those guys and of course, Dave Eubank, one of my closest friends, Free Burma Rangers. I got him into Iraq the first time, and then we've done work and really locked arms extensively in Iraq and Syria. And then there's Reboot Alliance with Chris and Ronella it, just absolutely uh, wonderful people and an organization that helps with support groups for active duty and even veterans. And then Dr. John Shea out of Pasadena, he's actually the, the doc that I've gone to for stem cell treatment, and boy, he is cutting edge. He is a man of integrity and uh, really extensive knowledge in this field. So these are the people uh, during this time period and season of our lives that we have really locked on with, work closely with, and appreciate and trust.
2: You know, PTSD is a huge problem, and many people are committing suicide after having been in combat. Uh, Stem cell research is showing uh, remarkable results for people who have that uh, almost incurable disorder. Yes, sir. I would say the cutting edge right now is stem
0: cells that are being used to help those with acute PTSD. Actually, the brain can start to heal itself. Uh, So you're not masking, you're not just using a drug, and it's just not talk therapy. It's actually your brain is starting to renew itself to where... Uh, What I found personally from treatment from stem cells, and, of course, these are stem cells from the umbilical cord of a mother and a child, and it's it's all good and ethical. Yeah, let's
2: make sure we're talking about adult stem cells, not embryonic stem cells. Right. No babies die in this treatment. The umbilical cord is going to be thrown away. Right. And yet there is rich blood within that cord that does have stem cells in it.
0: And it's amazing what it does. It starts to renew, replenish, and regrow parts of your brain because we're finding that acute PTSD is equivalent to, like, traumatic brain injury or even stroke. There is damage to the brain. So the stem cells can be put there through a certain approach and, we have information on our website if people want to come and find out or contact us uh, because not all stem cell treatments are the same and we want people to be very aware of that. But boy, when your brain is able to heal, rejuvenate, then you can have no levels of stress that maybe you couldn't before due to really a physical
2: trauma to the brain. Do you ever take anybody with you, any Americans with you? We do.
0: Our teams are uh, typically hand-picked for certain missions that we're doing or places that we're going that are mission-specific. So we'll take anything from uh, former uh, special operations personnel to um, certain pastors or psychologists or people who we feel like would make good fits for our team specific to what we're going to do. Eileen, do you always go?
3: I have gone about 50% of the time, yes, because I still have teenagers at home.
0: so. But we did bring our kids for one summer. That our interesting. with us
3: for seven weeks.
0: Well, we we brought them to Iraq, and we prepared them for a summer trip. We go, this is going to be Camp Iraq, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we need y'all's help. And they were totally excited about it. There was some reservation, I think, about my son who had a conversation with, you know, he's 12 years old. And he's like, hey, Dad, are you going to put us anywhere where ISIS can get us? I said, that's a great question, son. I said, do you feel afraid? He goes, yes, sir. I said, that's normal, but it's not right. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, it's normal because you're about to go into Iraq. And there are even military personnel who've never been to Iraq in a combat area, right? So I said, first answer your question, no, I'm not going to put you anywhere ISIS can get you. We have safe houses, and we have security, and we ride in armored vehicles, and we'll keep you away from the combat where we go to get kids or help and whatnot. But we're going to need you and your sister's help to take care of kids that we bring home. I said, but right now, are you in any danger? Right here in Colorado. He said, no, sir. I said, so why are you letting fear take your energy and your mind space? You're not in any danger, son. And the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I've been charged with raising you to be a fine young warrior, a moral masculine man, and this is one of the lessons you need to learn, if you're not in danger. Don't give your energy to these thoughts, these darts of the enemy. And if we are in danger when we go over there, you'll be the first to know. But we've taught you how to put on kit with body armor, a helmet. We've taught you how to load an AK. (laughs) I said So, you know, we have redundancies, but we're, as a family, we're always prepared, not paranoid. We went, and do you know the last three days of that summer, we actually had to hide from ISIS for three days. The FBI contacted our head of security. I said, look, the chatter is ISIS is targeting Victor Marx because we had been on television, our social media platform, so we did have to hide for three days. My son later told me, Dad, that time we were hiding out, I
2: never was fearful. Really? And I said, God's grace is sufficient. My goodness. Well, we've talked about two of your three projects. They are Nora and The Lion and the Lamb. What's the third? We call it the Never Give Up
0: Tour. And that's where we've committed to spend time, effort, and resources going to military bases and us doing three- to four-day events, uh, speaking to active-duty military personnel and oftentimes family members, too, to help build resiliency and uh, really counter the epidemic of suicide. It's at an epidemic proportion right now that people just aren't aware of and it's alarming. You're talking about the American military? The American military and U.S. bases. And it's increasing, isn't it? It is increasing drastically. Uh, So we're there almost like an inoculation to prepare active duty so that they won't, as veterans, when they get out, turn to this suicide rate of 22 people a day. We're trying to do both and of stopping the suicide rate that's increasing for active duty, but then by helping them, prepare them, equip, uh, teach them resiliency, and things of this nature, it will keep them from hopefully following a pattern of suicide as veterans.
2: When a person has been in combat and is contemplating suicide, put into words what that person is feeling and what he or she says to you. Oftentimes, when they've been under
0: high stress levels or seen things or were required to do things that really went against their moral fiber. They come back, um, and they have a hard time assimilating or processing it, Uh, and including if they've lost friends in combat, their survivor's guilt. So they come back to the States, and remember, used to you would take a boat in order to go from one side of the ocean to another. Now you fly 14, 15 hours, you're back in the States, I can remember flying from a combat zone high stress, death, car bombs. And then when I made it back to the United States, you know, a day and a half later, I'm standing in a grocery market looking at sixty boxes of cereal and I couldn't even choose one. And it overwhelmed me because I thought, this is not real life. And all I want to do is go back to where the action was because that's what I felt was real life. Family members often can't understand them. There's a sleeping issue and when you're fatigued Things get worse. There's anxiety. Your head's on a swivel all the time. Bad dreams. Because of the stress that's going on. And then you're on alert. You're hypervigilant. It's not if somebody's going to try to kill you, but when. And I'll tell you a surprising statistic. I just read a study that said the Air Force actually is having more people commit suicide now. They're dying by their own hand of suicide than in combat ever in the first time in the history of the Air Force. So it's not...
2: Families wait for them to come back and pray for them and ache for their arms and they come back and they don't talk. Right. And they're into themselves. That must be a terribly difficult thing when you've... Been separated by the military assignment, being deployed, and and then it's never quite the same again.
0: No, and military life is is very difficult. You're moving from one duty station to the next, and uh, military families have abnormal stress versus regular families. But then you put in deployments overseas, and their duty stations that are high risk are they're deployed to the front. Then they come back to try to process this. It's very difficult. They do withdrawal. They do feel out of place. Is
2: the military doing anything to help?
0: They are. I've got to say, uh, right now I'm working with the U.S. Army, and there are great strides being made uh, in order uh, even to use faith-based initiatives to help people have hope and healing for That's this. That's legal now. It is legal now. Not fully accepted because we had many years of anti-spiritual chaplains corps, yeah. but now there are the right people in the right positions of leadership who are wanting to see uh, spiritual resiliency brought back into the ranks, and we're part of that.
2: Mm. What kind of support do they get? What kind of
0: uh, therapy do they get? There's always been a stigma if you report to a chaplain or you tell someone, hey, I'm having trouble, but that has to change because the number of years we've been in combat and that war, it's like I have a friend that has a thousand missions, a thousand combat missions of being deployed multiple years. And when you're in that type of environment, it's going to affect you. When you're hunting monsters, you know, it is difficult to come home. And I would say the church hasn't done a great job of trying to help. They, they hand a combat vet who's a special operations guy bulletins and say, could you hand these out at the door? You know, And they're like, but, yeah, sure. Uh, or they just try to ting down manhood versus saying, no, we need you. We need leadership. And a lot of times in churches, speaking of you know, the pastors, a lot of the pastors aren't leaders of men. They're good Bible teachers, but it doesn't make them leaders of men. Yeah. So I think in the military, how they're trying to change things right now is to give more uh, credibility and empowerment to the chaplaincy corps. Uh, to help those people struggling. But that's where we come in, uh, working with the military, because they're bringing us in to help. They need help, right? They're not able to, to address this whole situation. So we come with a three-prong approach. One is me speaking, doing events on bases, everything from my dog doing dog demo attacks to you know martial arts. We're bringing our films and our resources to the follow-up care, which would be Reboot Alliance. Uh, Bible studies that men and women can attend. And then also uh, Chad Robichaux's Mighty Warrior Arts, which is a great place where people can go for a weekend or a week to have their head be able to be processed.
3: Well, the other big part of this uh, movement is to educate people on what PTSD is. Educate the person who's suffering and educate the families because when we have more information about what's happening in their brain then we know that um, they're not mentally ill they don't have to have this stigma and i think that has been huge to help people overcome this stigma and for families because the families are also suffering the wives are suffering the children are suffering friends don't know how to interact with this person who really their mind is now altered from seeing combat from being the situation. Do so, you
2: have a ministry to the women whose husbands are deployed?
3: That door's open. When I have an opportunity to go to speak to the women, I love to. Because as a woman, my husband suffered with PTSD. I know what it feels like. We've lived this out, and we know God can heal the brain. We do know that. But you have to have the right environment, and you have to have people who are educated yeah. in this whole realm of PTSD.
2: Victor, when you and Eileen first began this ministry, uh, you were actually working with youth here in this country, right? and your purpose was to reach out to them. Describe that and how it led to all that you're doing now.
0: Yes, sir. We, We really started the ministry almost 20 years ago, reaching troubled and abused youth here in the U.S., and we found one of the biggest demographics was in incarcerated youth facilities. So we really saturated that whole area. We've been to either me speaking or books of resources in the over 1,600 facilities here in the U.S. We've never stopped. God's only increased, like the j deal, our 10 pegs have, have gone out, and he's brought more support and more team members to help us. As a matter of fact, there was a case where, it was on 60 Minutes, a 10-year-old boy who was abused by his father, who was a Nazi neo-Nazi leader, this 10-year-old boy killed his father. And this boy was put in a youth prison. I was one of the first people to go and visit him. And his jumpsuit was too big for him. His shoes didn't fit him, and he was shaking. You know what I asked this kid? Mm-hmm. I said, do you miss your dad? And he started crying. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm sure you do. And he did. He was he missed his dad so much. And there's more to the story, but 60 Minutes covered this. I told this young man, I said, I'll be your spiritual dad from here on out. I never lost contact with him, I would go visit him when I could, we'd write letters. He became a Christian, incarcerated, spent about nine years. And then here recently, I get a message and said, remember that kid? He's out, and he wants to meet you. I spoke at a men's conference in Los Angeles, and I actually brought him to it and introduced him to 2,000 men as a young (laughs) man who made it. And you know what? We're actually looking to send him to Bible College. And I told him, you have a position with us at ATP. Uh, you can do an intern, and we'll help you. Because he has a desire, guess what, to share his story, to speak about the goodness of God, to redeem the worst things in life for good. And I hope and pray to the Lord that he gets to start speaking
2: in youth prisons. When we began our first program yesterday and continuing today, I asked you a question. I said... Victor, what drives you? What is the motivation? We just now heard it. We just now discovered it. You get the greatest thrill out of what you're doing, don't
0: you? I do. I love giving the enemy a black eye, you know, because that's what we're called to do. You know, advance the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, while pushing back forces of darkness. And for us to be allowed to do that and be led by God's spirit, It is a joy. It's hard, it is definitely hard. There's hardship involved and suffering. But hey, if the Lord did it and he calls us to it, he'll give us the grace to complete it.
2: Well, it's been a pleasure having you here on these two occasions. You've been here before. I always enjoy hearing you talk. I can just imagine what you go through in other countries. It is indeed another world, isn't it? Yes, sir. And because of air travel, you go from American life and culture, all of a sudden you're in a situation that's completely foreign to everything else. You have to adjust to that every time you go? Every time we go and every time we come back. and Mm -hmm. We'll see what the Lord
0: has in store, but we're looking for maybe a future season to start training people to do what we're doing. Do uh, you encourage people to contact you, write you? We do. We love it when people follow us on social media or call or email. And uh, we have thousands thousands of prayer warriors and thousands of people who support what we do. And oh, we're grateful for friendships, just like yours and Ms. Shirley's. Y'all's <laughs> friendship, it puts wind in our sail to keep doing what God's called us to do.
2: How can people get a lion and a lamb? Well, I'll tell
0: you what. We've now been able to get these little guys in the hands of kids all around the world for 10 bucks. So if someone goes to our website, they'll see Lion and Lamb, they click on it, and they can support of getting one. What is that website? The website is victormarkswithanx.com. victormarkswithanx.com.
2: Thanks for being here, and let's do it again. Absolutely.
3: Thank you. Thank
2: you.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.